one moment, a business is on top of its game, profitable and well-respected. In the next moment, it could be the victim of a major fraud with potentially catastrophic consequences, financial losses, damaged reputation, diminished stakeholder value, scrutiny, even bankruptcy. These stories are all too common in today's business headlines. While some organizations recover, others don't make it. How do you minimize the risk of fraud and avoid the devastation? Welcome to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Our goal is to prevent your organization from becoming one of the statistics. Now, here is Chris Marquet. Welcome, welcome, fraud talkers. As long as with you fraud stalkers and even you fraudsters who happen to be listening. I am your host, Chris Marquet, on the Voice America Network platform. I'm proud to be a part of the network. And we air every week uh, on Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen live or you can listen at your leisure to the audio file on the website. Uh, today, this week, we've got a great show with a very knowledgeable guest on the top of of white-collar crime and fraud in general. His name is Gary Zarney. He's a CPA uh, by training, an author, a prolific uh, and trainer of all things fraud and preventions of fraud. Uh, he also runs something called the Pros and Cons Speakers Bureau and will be joining us shortly. Uh, for those uh, who don't know me, I have been in this business uh, that is the investigative business for over 30 years uh, and have uh, investigated many, many cases uh, of white-collar fraud and other uh, acts of employee misconduct, uh, etc., uh, over the years uh, with Mar- uh, with. Um, with Kroll Associates, and then uh, ultimately started my own firm about uh, close to nine years ago now, uh, Marquet International. And um, I started writing uh, the annual Marquet Report on Embezzlement, which has gotten a lot of attention uh, and focuses on the various statistics as it relates to employee theft in the United States in major, major cases of of, uh, of uh, embezzlement. And that uh, also uh, was uh, predicated on the blog I started started uh, called Fraud Talk, of which this, uh, this show is partly uh, comes, comes from. You can find me easily on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook or Fraud Talk, uh, at Fraud Talk on Twitter, uh, hashtag Fraud Talk. And as we all know, my mantra is uh, at any time in any organization, there's always somebody who's up to no good. Um, fraud is everywhere. It's claiming victims as we speak. Uh, organizations, large, small, private, public, it doesn't matter. There's going to be people who are uh, looking to take advantage of it for one reason or another. And uh, most of us here are, are uh, our goal is to try to minimize that, tamp it down, squelch it, because as we know, uh, fraud takes you know five, ten percent out of every company. Uh, fraud, waste, and abuse. And if we can push it down, all those uh, that that profitability goes uh, straight to the bottom line. So this week, um, and, and we and we catalog these cases uh, for a reason, and that's part of it is to go into the the Marquet report on embezzlement each year. But this week we catalog over twenty major embezzlement cases in the United States in the news today, and that uh, that included over fourteen million dollars in losses to various types of organizations and this is private entities nonprofits uh, publicly traded government governmental entities and non-governmental agencies alike um, again cases over a hundred thousand uh, dollars again 
which I believe really is just the tip of the iceberg uh, when it comes to fraud. So it's costing uh, businesses every day. It's happening every day, and it's uh, just devastating. Um, once again, the fraud, the line to call in, if you would like, is 866 866- Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's eight six six four seven two fifty seven ninety. If you would like to join us in the discussion, and you can reach us as I mentioned on the various social media outlets, uh, as well as uh, contacting me directly. If you have a question, comment, etc., criticism, call me or email me directly at chris at marquetinternational dot com. That's all one word: m a r q u e t international dot com. Happy to to take those comments and criticisms as well as uh, any suggestions for uh, the fraud of the week. Uh, So please email me. Uh, This week's fraud of the week comes to us from fraud talk listener Andrew out of Nevada. Uh, It involves another, yet another bookkeeper here, uh, a woman by the name of Maria Digna Balesteros, uh, who embezzled over half a million dollars from a local company in Las Vegas over a five-year period. Um, Some details, according to uh, News Channel 3 in Las Vegas, uh, a former bookkeeper embezzled more than $500,000 from a previous employer during a five-year period was sentenced on Thursday to two consecutive 12 to 48-month terms in the Nevada Department of Corrections. Uh, And just as a comment here, 12 to 48 months, that's going to mean 12 months, and it may probably will mean ultimately less than that time, unfortunately. Uh, the company in question here is something called Act One slash uh, True Night Life Productions, which is a, uh, a, a, a promotion business in Las Vegas. Um, and Balesteros, who's 47 years old, was also ordered to pay over half a million dollars in restitution. She pled guilty to two counts of embezzlement, which are both Class B felonies, and uh, in a plea, plea bargain, and which took out multiple uh, felony charges, over 225 uh, to be exact, uh, because she had essentially uh, written herself checks, uh, 225 checks, and also falsified bank records uh, to try to cover up the, the embezzlement. Uh, the uh, the case went to the uh, the Nevada Attorney General's office, and uh, ultimately charged on those 225 fraudulent cases. Uh, and she uh, she was bi- essentially what she was doing was uh, writing forging payroll checks, which uh, you know essentially writing herself extra payroll over the course of that time. Again, what you know what's shocking is that the, something could go along for f- you know five years uh, and not be found out over all that period of time. And uh, I, I can guarantee you that this woman was probably the sole bookkeeper for the, for the enterprise uh, and had you know, many different aspects of the control functions in the finance department. And the owner, who's you know, focused on doing the business, uh, really was basically you know, believing what, whatever she was feeding him over that period of time. So that's probably what happened in a case like this. Um, you know, this woman was hired back in 2007, so she was, uh, you know, with the company for a good long time, uh, probably well trusted, and uh, uh, unfortunately for the owner, uh, took him to the cleaners for over half a million dollars. So that's the case of the week. Uh, very typical, something we see every every day, uh, and it leads me to our guest, uh, Gary Ziney, who I would like to uh, join us at right now. Gary, how are you? Oh, as my dad used to say on the farm, if I were any better, there'd have to be two of me. 
<laughs> so, Gary, now you are a fraud expert extraordinaire and uh, the proprietor of what uh, what's called the Pros and the Cons Speakers Bureau, which is, as you described, the the world's only speakers bureau made up of convicted white collar criminals. Is that right? That to the best of my knowledge, and. Um, you know, I'm one of those people, I never say I'm an expert, uh, because there, no matter what you're talking about, there's always somebody that knows more about it than you do, than you do like like Chris Marquet that uh, I'm talking to right now. Well, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Uh, there are so many uh, so many things to learn, and and which is why we've got you on. And just uh, just for the audience' per- sake, I'd like to uh, describe a little bit about uh, Gary's uh, background. He's a uh, CPA by training, uh, going back some years. Uh, he's a nationally recognized speaker, writer, and consultant, and teaches hundreds of different uh, uh, classes and present- makes uh, presentations on fraud, ethics, and auditing every year with a whole variety of uh, well-known and prestigious organizations, including the FBI National Training Academy, the SEC Institute, NASDAQ, the Department of Justice, and a whole group of, uh, of various uh, CPA uh, societies, and as well as uh, legal organizations and bar associations, many, many different um, corporate entities and universities and educational institutions. Uh, you've also published uh, over you know, 30 or plus articles in national and prestigious uh, journals such as the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and, and many others. And um, you are the creator of the pros and the cons, which is, for, for the audience's sake, thepros.com. Speakers Bureau, which has a whole slew, over 200 free videos on fraud, ethics, risk, and strategy for CPAs, law enforcement, uh, attorneys, professors, etc., uh, which are all free, uh, as well as the training courses that you can uh, provide. Um, Gary is also the uh, the author of something called the CEO's Complete Guide to Committing Fraud, which which uh, resulted, or at least in part, uh, you interviewed Barry Minkow um, when he was in prison. Uh, well, tell us about Barry, well, let's step back one second, Gary. Tell us about how you got into this whole business of fraud and, and how you started the, uh, the the Speaker's Bureau. And then we can get into Gary, uh, to the Barry Minkow's ZZZZZ best story. Go ahead. Yeah, it, 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 it's really interesting. The way I got started in this, which uh, the Wall Street the Wall Street Journal last week described as uh, one of the quirkiest businesses they had ever seen. We got a major, really nice profile on the Wall Street about a week and a half ago. Um, was the, is the second or third most common way the fraud gets uncovered. By accident, what happened was I was in teaching in Washington, D.C., and uh, couldn't remember what exit to get off the freeway to uh, go to my destination, and I stopped at a gas station to get directions, and pulling out of the gas station across the street was uh, uh, about a half-size Lowe's hardware store, an old chain called Heckinger's that had closed down. There's a sign up that says Giant Book Sale. So I love to read, so I you know, pull across the street and, and walk in. The automatic doors open up. Now, imagine a Lowe's with all that floor-to-ceiling shelving gone, and it's full of folding-like tables with books like a foot and a half deep. So the automatic doors open up, walk in, and it literally looked like a sea of books. 
and the only book standing up on edge, rather than laying down flat, the only book standing up on edge on the very first table inside inside front doors was a book on fraud. I paid two dollars for it, and how, that's how the whole thing started. How long ago was that? That was nine. That was nineteen ninety three. That was the summer of nineteen ninety three. And, and you, you you were at the time you were in house uh, accounting. No, uh, I had started uh, my own uh, full-time training in 1987, and my okay. background, uh, my undergraduate work was math and physics, and then I got a master's in accounting, and and uh, then went to work for Ernst and did the CPA exam thing, um, did mergers and acquisitions and financial and SEC reporting at Wendy's International, the big fast food company, for about six years, and then did investment banking for about four years, and and it started, uh, and I'd been teaching uh, a few days a year for a long time. And in 1987, I decided to start uh, teaching full time. And wow. so then, uh, and I was, uh, initially, I taught uh, uh, securities offerings and private placements and things like that. And then I think about this: I'm, I'm in D.C. I can't remember what exit. I get off at that specific exit and go to that specific gas station. There were three or four on that corner, oh, yeah, at that intersection. I could have gone to any of them. And across the street pulling out is a, a hardware store with a sign-up that it closed with a sign-up that says Giant Book Sale. And <laughs> we're going to have to, uh, Gary, we're going to come back because we have to take our, br- our first break. Okay. But that's, okay. uh, we'll, we'll continue with that. And just as a side note, uh, I was also a math physics guy. How funny. Anyway, uh, we will, everybody, we will be back in a couple minutes. Thank you. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. We're always talking business. 
talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. Okay, and we are back, uh, Fraud Talkers, with our special guest, Gary Zarney, who is, again, uh, uh, I like to say at least a fraud expert uh, extraordinaire and the proprietor of the Pros and the Cons uh, Speakers Bureau. Uh, Gary, you were telling us at the end of the last segment about your uh, sort of uh, serendipitous uh, uh, wrong turn to find the, the warehouse with the books in him, one of which was, uh, you know, how to prevent fraud. Uh, well, actually, actually that's- I, I wasn't even hunting for the warehouse. I was on, on my way someplace else that happened to stop at that intersection, so... Uh, and found the book on fraud, paid two dollars for it. And it was about Barry Minko who committed the ZZZ best fraud in the uh, late 1980s, which is uh, a story in and of itself. And so, the point for your listeners is one of the most powerful things you can do that doesn't cost anything is to minimize all kinds of fraud, not just embezzlement, but all kinds of fraud, is to be unpredictable. So, and think about all the things that had to happen to me. I had to be in Washington, D.C. I had to be going someplace else. If I'd known where I was going, I never would have pulled off on that exit to get directions. So I had to be lost. I had to pull off on that specific exit. I had to go to that specific, by random chance, that specific gas station. And then there was a closed-up hardware store across the street that was having a book sale. And that book was on the first table. So think about it, like all the planets aligning right. So moral of the story is, how did I get started teaching fraud? By accident, about six or seven things had to happen in a row. So yeah, the link to what we're talking about today. And, is, and you're absolutely right. You know, one of the, the, the key preventive measures is, you know, for stakeholders, you know, the random audit, if you will, or the random checking of various departments and accounts uh, is really critical. Most, uh, I mean, your your standard annual audit that your uh, big four accounting firm does is simply not going to catch the fraud in most cases. Uh, no, and in the any, case you described, accounting firm, it's any not just big four, it's any accounting firm. But you're absolutely right. And so, one of the things you hear all the time, or at least I hear. Um, is, well, is, you know, fixing internal controls, it costs too much. Well, here's the secret. It's not true. And the reason it's not true is that, let's say you've got a trucking company that uh, the economy's improving. The owner of the trucking company will spend a half a million dollars on trucks, but they won't spend $50,000 to hire another person to segregate duties to minimize fraud. So it clearly isn't the cost. So if it's not the cost, what well, is it? And the answer is, that if they buy the half million dollars worth of trucks, every truck can hold so many boxes, every truck can make so many runs every day, you charge so much to deliver each box, you can do it, you do it, you do an external, an explicit ROI on, on the half million dollars on the trucks. But if you spend $50,000 on controls, what's the return? And so the, what business owners say 
well, does it cost too much? No, it's not about the cost. It's about, it's about, the, re, about the value. So there are two kinds of value. One is, is, is added to value, and that's buying the trucks to deliver the boxes. The other kind of value is preventive value. So the way you earn a return on internal controls, hiring an extra person, buying the software, whatever your accounting firm is recommending, or you think you ought to, it's being recommended you do, is preventive value is, as you mentioned earlier, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. So they've done this study since 1995 or 96. They do it every couple of years. Consistently, they have found over almost 20 years now that businesses of all sorts, of all types, public companies, private companies, government nonprofits, all different sizes from 10 employees to over 10,000, consistently lose to 5 to 7% of revenue, 5 to 7% of revenue, not profit, it's, revenue. It's a huge, huge numbers. number. And so the way, the way you ROI spending money on internal controls is if you can reduce your losses to fraud, theft, and abuse, like embezzlement, by 1%, from 5% down to 4%, the internal control, $50,000 you're going to spend on hiring an extra person to segregate duties, it's more, it's more, pay for itself multiple times over. Right, and you actually wrote uh, an article about, or, or and you give uh, talks on how to make fraud and internal controls a, an actual profit center because most right. organizations, and I totally agree with you, most most organizations look at fraud control and loss prevention as a cost center. They, that, right. they think of it as this is where right. I have to put money out in front to to stop this from happening. You know, this is cost money. You know, I have to add headcount, blah blah blah, software hardware, what have you. Um, what else can you tell me about that? And, and what happens is that the, the accounting for the additional cost for internal controls actually hinders the process. Why? Because we expense it. And so it's going to hit the income statement, so why should we do it? But the biggest cost, I mean, having said all that, the biggest cost, that's it, the actual $50,000 is peanuts to, to a $10 million company. And so the cost of the internal controls is not money. It's not pecuniary. The biggest cost is if all of a sudden, it's psychological. And so if the business owner all of a sudden says, well, you know, we're going to buy a piece of software, we're going to hire duties, we're going to hire another person, segregate duties, the biggest cost is psychological. Because now if all of a sudden... The business owner, I'm just going to say the boss, it can be a nonprofit government entity. The, sure. the boss says, we're going to do this, stuff. we're going to do, put these additional controls in. That sends a signal, that's just a fancy term for it, sends a message to the people that have never had controls, I don't trust you anymore. So most business people won't spend the $50,000 on controls, has nothing to do with the 50000 so you're saying you're boss. saying you're saying Gary that it's uh, they don't the, the boss quote unquote doesn't want to come across as big brother to they don't, his, they don't want the bookkeeper or the controller who's been there for 17 years well, to say to say well I'm not gonna you obviously you don't trust me now after 17 years I'm okay. so they're willing to take the, the, the they're willing to take the risk of having a think about this who are the only people who can steal you blind people you trust. That's right. So they're willing to, because you didn't trust them, you wouldn't give them access to the assets. You wouldn't, get, you wouldn't let them reconcile the checking account. You wouldn't let them pay vendor bills. You wouldn't let them, you wouldn't let them make bank deposits. 
George yeah, Lynch, and, he's a purchasing and, agent. And one, Con, one of my new one of my new speakers uh, stole fourteen million dollars as a purchasing agent, by the way. Um, and so the biggest cost is is not the money. The biggest cost is psychological and having the employees think that you don't trust them anymore. Yeah, the you, 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 the the word con it was shortened for confidence. Con man, confidence man. Con means they have to have confidence in that person for them to actually steal you blind. You're absolutely correct about that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, th- that's interesting that the the psychology here and why organizations don't employ some of these uh, uh, fraud prevention controls is not necessarily just the cost, although that's partly partly the thing because you look at it, you look at it and see it on the income statement, but it is the psychological effect it might have on the folks in, you know, you typically, again, I mean, my study shows, you know, eight out of 10 times it's somebody in the finance department that's, that's right, doing Right, because they've got, they're trusted and they have access with no oversight. And so think, think about it this way. Most internal controls are imposed from the top down. We're going right. to do this. But you have a business owner that won't do it. And so you go to the highly trusted employee and say, hey, Alice, or hey, Joe, you know, you're the only one with access to the bank account, and nobody checks anything. And if anything ever happens to you, like you get run over by a truck, and a new bookkeeper, controller, or finance person takes over, and there's something wrong, who are they going to think do it? You. So for because you're the only one that had, had access for 17 years. So for your own protection, let's ask, let's ask, let's ask Sue, who owns the business, five minutes a month, take a look at the bank account. And, and by the way, controls don't even have to cost anything. Think about this. If the business owner, let's call her Sue, if Sue, the business owner, will simply log on to the checking account, print it out, Check out, you know, check everything off that it's okay. Initial it and date it, and give it to Alice, the bookkeeper. Alice is protected on a monthly basis, and doesn't right. cost anything. Right, absolutely. So even when the cost is zero, the business owner still won't do it. So because that tells that, that, you specifically the cost is not the issue. Hmm. And so, how do you how do you how do you how do you circumvent all work since we're talking about how do you get that little system put in place? You go to Alice, the bookkeeper, and say, Alice, for your own protection, we need to get Sue, the business owner, to look at the account once a month and sign off that everything's okay. Because who doesn't want to be protected on a monthly basis? So they're never wrong, wrongly accused. So the Alice so the, bookkeeper pushes back and says, "Well, I don't think we need to do that. You've got a huge red flag, huge red right. flag." So the implementation, you know, uh, implementing such simple measures like that, really, the way the the, the soft approach is 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 usually better. Uh, oh, but it's, you yeah. still have yeah. still have to be firm. So, oh, soft yeah. but firm. And think about <laughs> this. We, we probably have some outside accountants you know, on the uh, listening in today. Think about this, guys. If your client won't go to Alice and put that system in. You know, particularly in small business, small entities, whether it's a government, nonprofit, private company, you know you have virtually no controls. And if your client won't do that one simple thing, do you really want them as a client? Right. Well, think about the risk that you're taking from a malpractice perspective. Mm. Who's going to get blamed? Well, who? yeah, and who, who ends up being... Account? Yeah. Who ends up being the the deep pockets, the outside accountant, accountants, and the financial institutions? 
right? right? So right. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to take another break in a minute here. But uh, when we come back, um, I'm gonna have Gary tell us a bit about some of his speakers, uh, some very interesting characters, and some some uh, cool stories they have to to tell. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll continue with that. So um, we'll take a break right now. Uh, thank you all. We'll be back in a few minutes. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. What do business and sports have in common? Both are based on competition, and the goal of each is the same, to win. If you're in business, you need an edge over your competitors. You need to innovate and improve. You need to make adjustments to stay ahead of your competition. Tune in to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Get the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. The Business Locker Room airs live every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. 
Welcome back, Fraud Talkers. I am your host, Chris Marquet, and with me today is my special guest, uh, Gary Ziney, who uh, is a CPA by training, fraud expert, and uh, the proprietor of the Pros and the Cons uh, Speakers Bureau. Uh, we've been talking a bit about uh, some of the cases and how uh, Gary got into this whole business, uh, interestingly, almost by accident. And um, he started uh, the pros and the cons um, speakers bureau, which includes both uh, fraud experts teaching on fraud prevention measures, but also uh, is uh, what what he describes as the world's only um, uh, speakers Bureau with uh, white collar criminals. Uh, Gary, tell us. I, I want to hear about some of the some of your speakers. Uh, I've I've listened to Amy Wilson, for example, and her sort of heartfelt uh, video that she gives. And and you've got Walt Pavlo and Mark Morzel and and Morz, uh, sorry, and and several others. Uh, um, tell us a bit about some of these folks and tell us their stories and and uh, and what they have to offer. Well, the interesting thing about uh, white-collar criminal speakers is one of the, I get calls all the time, hey, we're having a fraud conference or something, and, you know, can you recommend, uh, we're at about to inform through the Wall Street Journal, and, and you got this merry band of uh, ex-cons, and, and by the way, we only do white-collar criminals. We don't do, you know, murders or anything like that. We specialize in white-collar criminals, uh, just for anybody that's listening to the ones to become a speaker. Um and the way I got started, I said, is got lost on vacation and and went to Lompoc Federal Prison and interviewed Barry Minko, which is a world-famous case. He started, when he was 16 years old, he started the ZZZBS carpet cleaning company, his parents' garage. And the reason he started a carpet cleaning company was his mother was a telemarketer for a carpet cleaning company in the Southern California and the L.A. area. And so Barry knew he used to help her in the summertime. And so he just decided to go into business for himself. Well, by the time Barry was 21 years old, never been to college, he'd stolen $100 million. It was a giant Ponzi scheme. So um, I decided to write a book about it. And uh, one day I realized that uh, everybody I had talked to about it, like the attorneys, the head of the white-collar crime unit at the FBI, and L.A. at the time was a guy by the name of Dave Nesbitt, uh, that everybody I talked to to write the, uh, my book, The CEO's Complete Guide to Committing Fraud, everybody knew, knew it was on the outside looking in, everybody knew bits and pieces about it, knew parts, but nobody knew the whole thing, so I realized one day, you know, I've been working on about a year, I need to talk to somebody that knew the, the whole thing, so that meant somebody from the inside, on the inside looking out. So, through kind of a circuitous route, long story short, I tracked Barry down, and uh, he, uh, he reviewed the manuscript and invited me to uh, uh, come talk to him at Lompoc Federal Prison, which is about an hour, an hour and a half north of Santa Barbara, right on the California coast. So just by chance, I'd uh, be in California a couple months later. This is October of 94 at the time, and uh, spent the day talking to him. And then also just by complete chance, he was paroled in December two months later, and so he was my first uh, white-collar criminal speaker in 1995. And... Barry's the only one of the all the ex-con speakers that uh, I've ever had that's uh, screwed up twice and is back in prison. And he went in, and I he only spoke for me uh, for for eight months, uh, from May middle of May of '95 to December second, 1995, at 4 or 5 p.m. approximately. I fired him. And um, some of your some of your listeners may recognize this. Barry, the reason he's back in prison is that. 
very fundamental issue is, and Barry's a genius, by the way. Uh, Barry's probably at least 20 IQ points smarter than I am. But his fundamental issue is Barry always makes a mistake of thinking he's the smartest person in the room. And so he worked undercover for the FBI. And, and by the way, he's an ordained minister. Uh, he earned that in prison. And he did all this. He did this gigantic fraud, never been to college. And so he pulled three accounting firms for five years. As you said earlier, don't count on your outside accounting firm as a fraud term. So he pulled a sole practitioner for two years, a small Southern California firm for two years. And then finally, they were into a, a little public offering, and the underwriting firm, which was Drexel Burnham, remember the big junk bond firm, in the uh, 1980s, um, said they'd do a public offering. Yeah, this is, and in fact, um, it was in the wake of that case that uh, Drexel Burnham then came to Kroll and said, okay, we need you guys to do the due diligence on every one of our uh, our initial I, public offerings. I was, not, uh, which, I was not aware of that. That's a, yeah. that's a really interesting uh, fact. Yeah, so I, I, did, I, I was involved in many, many yeah. of these due diligence uh, yeah. uh, cases for Drexel Burnham post, post the ZZZZ best case. Yeah. And because of that case, because of that case, uh, the SEC changed some reporting rules. And here, here's here's a little a little uh, interesting insight theory. Um, because Drexel were the underwriters, Barry interviewed along with his CFO Mark Morris, who's my who's uh, in the LA area, is a, a highly requested speaker. They interviewed all the big A firms. All the big A firms wanted to do it, and Barry picked. And it could have been anybody, so I'm not picking on Ernst. It was Ernst and Winnie at the time. Picked Ernst because Ernst would have done the audit out of a satellite office, not the big main downtown office. So Barry figured out that he would much rather be a big fish in a little pond than a little fish in a big pond. He'd have a lot more leverage over his yeah. audits when he threatened, threatened to fire him. And so master, master manipulator. Master manipulator. Well, Barry, the reason Barry was a speaker for eight months, and I'd have fired him after about three or four weeks, but we'd promised to do all these presentations together, was Barry um, was always trying to pull some stunt. So, for example, he would turn in $140 of parking at the L.A. airport and for a three-day trip, and, and I said, Barry, you know, get your butt to the airport early and park in, in long-term parking. He says, well, that's the cheapest place to park there at the airport. And I said, Barry, do you, do, you real, do you forget what I do for a living? He said, you turned in a receipt. And, and you should notice this, the every receipt has a cash register number on it. So I called the L.A. Parking Authority. You're parking in, LA, you're parking in hourly parking. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give, from now on, I'm going to give you $10 for parking. I don't give a damn where you park. So, of course, he had his wife drop him off because he got $10. So here's a fraud point. And I always try and make, I always try and tell a story to illustrate a point. Here's the fraud point. Anytime you change a system, whether it's a measurement system like on-time deliveries or it's a pay system, how, how people are compensated, anytime you change a system of any kind, people will always change their behavior to maximize the benefits to get the most pay, get the most benefit. And so the mistake that most businesses make is they change the system and they don't think forward how people will change their behavior and, and find a loophole in the system. And then they embezzle or they cook the books or they do a kickback scheme of their purchasing agent. 
So if you're going to, if you want to make the most money you can by minimizing fraud, when you're changing the system, you have to think forward. If I do this, how will people, how will people change their behavior? Right. And a perfect right. example of that is remember Domino's used to have 30 minutes or it's free. Yep. They don't do that anymore because the drivers got 50 cents for delivering the pizza on time. And if they were late and had to give the way, the pizza away free, the company could took $3 out of their pay. They mostly right. pay for the ingredients. And so the drivers started breaking the law when they drove. And the company has fat, literally thousands of reports, I've been told, and their files about drivers having no fender benders and getting speedy tickets and stuff like that. And they didn't change the system. They, being Domino's, didn't change the system until a guy one night uh, thought he was uh, gonna, wasn't going to engage 50 cents. He was going to be late. It might cost him three bucks. And so he went through a four-way stop, ran over one, and killed her. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. That's what Just like 911, it always takes a catastrophe to get people to change stuff and fix it. Don't right, I, I agree. But you, you, what you, 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 you stepped on a, uh, a, a, a subject that's uh, uh, interests me greatly, and that is the psychology of all of, of of these frauds and and what goes on in the minds of some of these fraudsters. I mean, it's my impression based on you know some of the cases I've worked on over the years and and all the writing I've done in more recent years is that I mean you, there, there's a certain amount of recidivism that goes on uh, on the one hand, but when you look at some of these cases. Uh, particularly the embezzlement matters and 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 in the large Ponzi schemes. I mean, these people uh, come to believe, at least during the course of their crime. Maybe initially they start out innocently enough, but during the course of the crime, at some point, they they come to believe that they are you know that they're not doing something that's wrong or they're not going to be caught or that it's or that they'll pay it back or that uh, you know somehow or they're entitled to to the money i mean what's your impression on that based on, i mean you you work with these folks every day what's your yeah. impression on, on that yeah, well, whole what what happens many times and there, and there is many reasons people start to commit they are to start fraud as as um, as there are our our thieves but if you take just two or three of them one one is somebody will borrow a lot of a lot, particularly embezzlements. Embezzlements very often get started by accident. So, for example, somebody will borrow five dollars. I said it's a cash register property. She'll borrow five dollars out of the cash register to buy lunch, and then she forgets to put it back. Nobody notices the five dollars is missing because of poor internal controls, and she always promises to put it back. I'm just borrowing the money, and then nobody notices the money is missing. And she realizes she doesn't have to put it back. Then the rationalization, I'll, pu- I'll pay the money back as a rationalization. And then she, she, nobody notices the money is missing, and so she realizes she doesn't have to put it back. Then the rationalization, rationalization changes from I'll put it back to I work really hard, I deserve it. Exactly what she said. So, the, so it, does, it, does, ra- it does more. It does rationalization. more. So- it's, the rationalization simply changes to justify not putting the money back. So you're saying that the, the, that the psychology morphs over time? Oh yes, yes. It morphs and the over main, time. The main... So, so for example, you have a small business owner that needs a, a, a million dollars in net profit to get the bank loan automatically renewed. Right. So, you know, very commonly they'll take a sale that's supposed to ship on January 3rd, and they'll ship it on December 27th. And let's say that, that let's say they're at. Uh, Nine hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars in profit, and that hundred thousand dollars sale is going to generate 
$40,000 in profit, so that'll push them over the million-dollar bank loan requirement to get the loan automatically renewed. So what the business owner says is, well, I'm only moving the sale six days, and besides that, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not moving this sale for me. I'm moving the sale because I have a hundred employees, and, and they depend on me to feed their family. Right. And so you very often get business people they won't. They won't admit that they're cooking the books for for themselves. So they they use their employees as quote unquote as a rationalization, or they'll say, "You ever heard this one? It's my company. I can do whatever I want." Yeah, of course. <laughs> here's, here's a hint. It's not true. It's not true. Right. And the reason it's not true is that it may be their company, but they can't do whatever they want. That's, so that's, all, there are thousands and thousands of laws we all have to comply with. So you have sure. to pay minimum wage, and if you're a trucking company, you have to keep the brakes on the trucks fixed, and the drivers can only you know, drive so many hours. So it is an absolute fallacy. It's not true that you can do whatever you want. Because we, right. we do not live in a, in a free market society. We live in a regulated free market society. Right. All right. So, Gary, we're going to we have to take another break here and we'll come back. We also have a caller on the line with a question and we'll get to uh, him as soon as uh, as soon as we come back. Uh, Thanks again, uh, Fraud Talkers. We will be back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you and your business well-prepared? For what, you may ask? Well, what about workplace violence, cyber attacks, or general business disasters? Listen for Fear is Negotiable, Business Survival Skills 101 with your host, Pamela Hill. We'll bring you case studies of the businesses that don't prepare and the consequences that can happen. We'll also bring you best practice strategies that can help you keep your business running smoothly. Tune in to Fear is Negotiable, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response, and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. 
home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. Uh, I am your host, Chris Marquet. Uh, we have our guest today, Gary Ziney, the proprietor of the Pros and the Cons Speakers Bureau. And um, we've been talking about a number of things, uh, most recently about the psychology of, of uh, what goes on in, uh, in, the, in the minds of uh, white-collar criminals and why they do it, how they do it, and how they, uh, they change over time in, 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 their, in the psychology of the, of the act of, uh, of committing their frauds, uh, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about as well. And I want to get Gary's take on, uh, he puts out an annual sort of update and uh, what are the top risks uh, in the in the current year, and we're going to get to that. But first, I want to bring on our caller, John from Washington D.C. John, are you with us? Yeah, hi, Chris. It's John. Um, listen, I, I love your show, and and I I have a quick question. I I'm interested in the other side of the coin. Uh, you know, you guys have been talking about fraud against insurance companies. You know, I I have some clients, big companies, that use insurance brokers to go out and, and get insurance for them and uh, at the, the cheapest rate possible. And, um, you know, they use brokers like Aon and Marsh McLenna. And several years ago, uh, Marsh McLenna, I believe, was actually caught taking essentially kickbacks from the insurance companies. Their deep right, it was Marsh, yeah. And not passing them on to, the, on to their company clients. And I'm just curious. Number one, is that is that still happening? And if it is, you know, do you have any ideas on how to detect and stop that kind of thing? Uh, thank you, John. I appreciate the the call, um, Gary. Do you have any thoughts on that preliminarily? I've got a couple. Yeah, uh, I have not seen anything that is still going on. Now, of course, that doesn't mean it isn't going on because you don't know what you don't know. Uh, but the big accounting firms were busted for that well, probably four, five, six years ago for the same thing on travel costs. I'm sorry, travel rebates um, on government contracts and didn't pass them along. And so yep. it's, it's, it's a really common way to boost the bottom line. And companies always make the assumption, oh, well, nobody will find out about it. Of course, then it, then it does, just like all this stuff. And they, they rationalize it. So... Uh, Chris, chime in here. 
Yeah, my, my sense is that uh, this happens. I mean, the Marsh McLennan uh, uh, case was, was fairly large and, and publicly uh, publicized. But I think more frequently, what happens is you see, you know, these small brokers, a small they you know set up tent, uh, and, and and it's a, it's a very quick hit where they're taking in premiums and they basically are not paying them to the you know to the carrier, and then ultimately uh, you know it's found out because you know there are claims that come down the road and they got to get paid so um, usually happening on small scale small time folks who are doing this uh, more frequently you see that I've seen that happening and obviously uh, one fairly easy way to prevent it is uh, you know do your due diligence you know who, who are these folks what's their track record and reputation have they been around for a long time and are they reputable etc of course you know Marsh Mac is a reputable outfit so it's not not foolproof uh, you, even with your due diligence you're not necessarily gonna gonna stop a fraud if you got somebody inside the organization that is uh, circumventing the controls and the policies and the procedures uh, of what goes on so uh, does that answer your question, John? Yeah, that's uh, terrific, Chris. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. There, there were a couple of top level executives at Morse that actually went to prison on that, and I just realized I I kind of forgot about that. That was in two thousand five, six, somewhere in there. So yeah, you got some other, you got some potential speakers. speakers there, Gary. Yeah, I got speakers there. But <laughs> just to show you how dangerous stuff is, uh, talking about insurance brokers and uh, taking in premiums and not pass along the insurance company, and then, of course, you can't pay the things. There was an auditor in, I think it was North Carolina three or four years ago by the name of Sally Rohrbach, who was auditing an independent insurance broker, and he, she was in his office one day, and he clubbed her over the head with a table lamp and killed her and dumped her body under a pile of brush 25 miles from the office. It was North Carolina. It was summertime. The animals ate her up, and a guy walking his dog a couple weeks later found her and identified her through her, her digital records. So, for the story, that's called red-collar crime. And red-collar crime is simply when white-collar criminals turn violent. So I mean, it's an, that's an interesting to topic, a, Gary, um, and, and one that I mean, where I see that is oftentimes it's it's not necessarily the, the murder or the violence against another individual, but it's against themselves where they commit suicide. Yeah. Uh, have you, yeah. You've seen that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, there was a CPA up in Michigan last fall. I think it was in October that a staff CPA killed him. Yeah, shot him in the back of the head. And because the staff CPA is on trial right now for allegedly stealing $100,000 out of staff account, out of client accounts, and the staff captain killed his father. And well, so it's a whole area called red, call, red collar crime. So that, that leads us into what are some of the risks that are, you want to talk about, Chris, that are in the works right now? Yeah, tell us about your, uh, your, uh, your current predictions and your current, your current yeah, uh, risk and, and levels. The, the, the risk is always there. The risk is always there, there's, and, and there's no such thing as a fraud, risk-free environment. That's why you have internal controls. If you didn't have risk, you wouldn't have the need to have controls. And so, for example, there, there, there are a huge number of fraud risks in the Affordable Care Act. It's complex. It's brand new. And so, for example, one of the things is it's called the Sunshine Act, where drug manufacturers and, and, and device makers have to report to the federal government, the, the fees that they've paid doctors for doing speeches and research and various things, 
and that's going to be disclosed publicly starting next month. I don't remember. I don't remember if it's the first or the fifteenth, but that's going to be disclosed publicly. And so doctors are just going berserk about all what's previously has been confidential information. And so will the doctors cover up what they are reporting to to the directors? In other words, all that information should synchronize. It may not equal, but it should should somehow synchronize. And so Anytime you, you get a, a different system, you're, you're going to have the opportunity. You have the opportunity for fraud. So, for example, another one. Uh, yeah, hey, Gary, let me, we're going to have to we're going to have to cut it short because we're running out of time here. But um, I think you're absolutely correct. Where you know when systems change, there's the opportunity for fraud. When systems also stay the same, there's opportunity for fraud for that ma- yeah. for that matter because uh, uh, the people uh, in the with the financial controls know how to circumvent it. Um, but uh, we're going to have to cut it short here, uh, and, and perhaps we'll have Gary back because I want him to tell us a bit about some of his other speakers and some of his other cases, and obviously Gary's a, a very knowledgeable uh, guest here. Um, I want to thank you, Gary, for joining us. Uh, um, next week, uh, we have uh, another interesting guest, uh, Jordan Maglich, who's written uh, written and uh, about Ponzi schemes and is an expert in that area, is a lawyer by training out of Texas and somebody I've collaborated with. So we're going to have Jordan on next week. Uh, again, thank you for joining us, everybody. I am your host, Chris Marquet, and thank you, uh, Gary, for joining us as well. Glad to do it. Thank you for listening to Fraud Talk this week. Please join Chris Marquet again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Don't become a victim of fraud. Tune in for another show soon.